A Tiny Revolution features adults having adult conversations, which means adult language is probably going to be present. Just so you know. Podcast Network, this is a tiny revolution, celebrating our everyday victories while telling the stories and having the conversations that actually matter. I'm Kevin Garcia, and thanks for tuning in for another episode. I am so busy right now, it feels like I'm doing a bunch of different projects. I'm running a t-shirt line now, and I'm trying to uh, make a YouTube channel happen, and I've been editing video like crazy and getting ready for the Wild Goose Festival, and so um, apologies for getting this out just about every other week when it used to be weekly so i'm trying to step that up i'm not sure if that's going to be a thing but every other week i think has been a doable rhythm for me so thank you for your patience with me and thank you for sticking with me in all of this and again thank you for your support um anyway so today we're talking with my friend arvi mendoza who is a disco pop artist and socialite basically he's basically detroit social royalty if i'm being quite frank and i will uh, describe what I mean by that later. Um, but before I get into that, let's talk about what's coming up on the calendar. Wild Goose Festival, as you know, is coming up July 13th through the 16th in Hot Springs, North Carolina. Wild Goose Festival is an art, music, and story-driven festival experience grounded in faith inspired by social justice. I'm going to be doing two workshops there. The first one is Know Thy Selfie, which is going to be in the youth tent, and Owning Your Story, Impacting Others, where we're going to be talking about using your story as your ground of being and your ways for navigating difficult conversations with people who are different from you. Um, I'm also going to be doing a music set with The Many, which is Darren Calhoun's band from Chicago, and I am absolutely thrilled and excited and honored to be doing that with them. So go ahead and get your tickets to the Wild Goose Festival at wildgoosefestival.org and use the offer code BEMYGUEST, that's all caps, BEMYGUEST, and you'll get 25% off at checkout. One more thing I want to signal boost before I jump into the intro. Um, my, uh, not my acquaintance and hopefully friend, Dr. Robin Henderson Espinoza is currently, um, working on a Kickstarter campaign for their new book, Activist Theology. Activist Theology is going to be a book translating theology into action. Accompanied with original poetry by black liberationist poet Ray Bell, Dr. Robin Henderson Espinoza is creating a project that I think could really give an amazing set of language and actionable steps to us as people who are the boots on the ground, people who are working in these communities and in these conversations. Um, it's going to be good for the world that we're living in today. So check out their Kickstarter project. It's called, Again, it's called Activist Theology. You can Google it or you can check it out in the show notes. Um, that is actually all the things I have to share with you, other than I'm excited to share this conversation with you. Um, so today's conversation is with my friend Arvi Mendoza, and Arvi is going to give you his story in the interview, but basics, Arvi is a web developer by day and a disco pop queen by night, and honestly, he's one of my best friends in the entire world. Arvi and I, again, you'll hear this, um, how he and I met, we met through the Reformation Project, and we've led worship together. He's someone I text on the daily He's somebody that I call a few times a week because we just, I just love, I love him so much. And I think that you're going to end up loving him too by the end of this interview. And yes, his name is RV, RV, like the recreational vehicle, because he's home and adventure all in one. Yes, that is one of his catchphrases. (laughs) He's a, he's a brilliant individual. So in this interview, we're um it was kind of hard to stay on topic to be honest for a while like i as i was editing through we had so many jokes and just laughs um but um we have a really good deep conversation um i was out there in detroit to see rv perform at wayne state college which was incredible and then he opened for artists for flint eastwood um at one of the most lit shows i have ever seen in my life it it, it replaced my favorite show of all time which was santi gold when i was 16 
which I never thought would ever be unseated, but yeah, this show is. Anyways, uh, this conversation, RV and I are talking about becoming yourself, learning how to love yourself and love others, fostering creativity, and so much more. It's like so multidimensional, and I think that you're going to love this conversation. And a quick note about the recording. I had forgotten my mic when I flew it to Detroit, so we ended up using our iPhones. So the quality of uh, the recording is not as great as I'd like it to be, but the content is still gold. So I think you're going to love it. So go ahead, grab your coffee, grab your drink, grab whatever you... Grab a friend and uh, come come sit in on this conversation with me and my friend Arby. Ooh, I'm looking like a dummy when you say you're not a bee. Lies, 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 that's a lie. Judging from the way you handle me, who we could have turned the city into gold. Instead, you're turning all my heart to stone. Hold on, don't move, stay right there. I wanna give it to you. Let me stop and stare. My name's RV Mendoza. I live in Detroit, Michigan, one of the most beautiful cities in the world, and I will fight you on that. That's true. And (laughs) um, I'm a queer person of color. I'm Filipino. Mm -hmm. And as a day job, I do front-end web development, which is a passion of mine. And outside of that, I make music, and I'm a mess on social media. (laughs) That's true. But a fun mess, though. Yeah. I mean, like, it's all about that. Iconic content. Yes, that's what I jokingly talk about my content. But it's so true, though. <laughs> when did you when did you start making music? Well, at first I thought I was going to make music in the classical context. Like, I was going to oh, make... Oh, yeah, because you were going to... Yeah. Yeah, so I was going to major in flute performance, <laughs> actually. Mm-hmm. And I was going to do that for, like, seven years of my life. Like, starting when I picked up a flute, I was like, I'm going to do this. Um, I mean, there's a lot to it than that. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, um, so I, I chose, I was going to be a flute performer and then I took it so seriously that it became a chore. Yeah. And, um, like I, it became part of my identity. Mm -hmm. Um, my failures in my flute performance was my failures as in my identity. As a human. As a human. Mm. And there's even more roots in that story. Um, and so I practiced a lot, and I cared a lot more about people perceiving me as a talented musician mm. than actually being... I mean, I was talented because I practiced a lot, but like it was driven by something a bit more sinister. Mm. And um, so once I realized, like, it was like my senior year when I'd like... Is it high school? Yeah, of mm-hmm. high school. Like, I wasn't going to be happy in a practice room all day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to find something else. So I kind of had to, like, give up on music for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Just take time from it. And in that time, I kind of realized that I liked singing. And there was something inside of me that I I felt like I needed to express, but I didn't have the tools to express. Mm -hmm. So I've been, like, slowly poking around ever since I graduated high school. And I would say I've been doing it more consistently the past couple years mm-hmm. and actually putting it out into public. So I make I make disco pop music mm. for all y'all who don't know me. I make disco pop music and it's basically kind of like Chromeo but like gay <laughs> or like Daft Punk but super queer. Mm-hmm. Basically, I, I take stuff that I like and the inspiration that I like and then I put myself in it. I think what's like... Um most interesting about your music is that it's like just like just listening to it it's enjoyable and catchy and fun mm-hmm. and then y'all seeing the performances past weekend I, I got to see two performances of RVs one at Wayne State College where there was like a 40 minute set and like all the freaking reveals <laughs> gosh an experience not just like I'm gonna stand here and sing a song which like there's merit in that but you give people like a full blown curated well thought out I'm going to give you a feeling. Right. I mean, it's all about the gags. <laughs> I mean, I, everything I want to do, I just want to make my friends say, yes. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to be world famous or anything. I just want to do it for fun now. Mm. Now it's just for fun. Yeah. And that's where people have connected to it the most. Yeah. And every time I perform, every time I write a song, every time I'm showing myself on stage, mm-hmm. for me, it's 
I'm affirming in myself that my stories are worthy mm-hmm. and that I exist. Because mm-hmm. a lot of my stories are very queer, very thirsty. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's just kind of... And that's like so many people's experiences, especially right. as like, you know, queer people of faith who are like trying to learn how to live in our bodies. and Yeah. And I mean, yeah. for so much of my life, I've denied myself of my sexuality. Mm-hmm. So now when I sing... A, in some ways, there's still that little bit of cringiness where I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, it's a little too much. Like, I'm telling a little too much about myself. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's so empowering. Mm-hmm. Because at the first time, for the first time in my life, I feel like a real person. Right. A whole person. Yeah. That has a sexuality and has needs. Mm-hmm. And wants and desires and all the things that, you know, everyone says, go for your dreams. But, like, I mean, like, in the same way, like, you know, we grew up in the world where it's just like, but don't go for that. Right. Because that's gross. Right. I mean, it's kind of like the American dream. I'm an immigrant, so I moved to America when I was five years old with my family. Mm -hmm. And it was this whole, like, oh, we're doing it for the American dream. And Mm -hmm. then as you get older, you realize that American dream was not made for brown people like me. Yeah. It wasn't originally made for people like me. Now, in retrospect, when I think about, like, go follow your dreams, like, it didn't seem like my context ever fit in following your dreams, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. But not those dreams. Yeah, because like it didn't look like the cookie cutter version of what we wanted. We tried. I yeah. mean, like at least I tried because it was the whole like go to school for music, get a job, find a wife, you know, have two point five kids by the time you're thirty, and then settle into your career and put your kids through school, and then you can enjoy life. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting. Like my mama said, like I was like, you know, I just I want you to settle down and have a real job. Like what? Yeah. When you first started ex- exploring, like, the possibility that you could be both a queer person and a Christian at the same time, what, like, what was the catalyst for that initial thought process? Well, I was really involved in university. Were we all? Yeah, at university. And um, as problematic as it is now, in, mm-hmm. my, in my opinion, it was a part of my life that helped me explore a lot of my faith. Mm-hmm. So I'll just honor it as that. Yeah. But at the same time, it kind of taught me the Christian majority opinion of what it means to be gay mm-hmm. or what it means to be same-sex attracted and what yeah. you were going to do about that. Mm-hmm. And it, pretend, it, it presented just one story to me. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm a rule follower. Like, tell me what, how I need to live my life and I'll do it with extreme willpower. Yeah. <laughs> so I took on the main, I took on the default, which is celibacy. Either I changed my sexuality, mm-hmm. which I kind of knew realistically wasn't a choice for me, even though yeah, I Yeah, we all did. Um, or live in celibacy or date a woman. And mm-hmm. f- find a woman that you'll fall in love with. You just haven't met the right one RV. Yeah. Like kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So as I graduated, I realized like that was, that was my future. I think my life my story really begins on uh, my friend's pontoon boat the summer after our graduation. Mm-hmm. Well, it was more like the summer after a year of graduating. So like a year out of school. Mm-hmm. I was on my friend's pontoon boat and it was one of those moments where we, we grew up in inner varsity mm-hmm. and my friend's name is Danny and we were really comfortable each, with each other. So sometimes we just have moments of silence. Mm-hmm. And I remember we were near like a channel or something. So I was looking at just the green trees and there was some silence and I just suddenly like, it just came out of me and I was just like, Danny, like, I don't know if I can do this. Mm -hmm. And she was like, do what? And and in my, in my mind, I was just thinking about the rest of my life Mm -hmm. and how I would be coming home to an empty house every day to an empty place um, when I get back into an airport from a trip, like there's no one really waiting for me. Mm-hmm. The times at night where I would be distraught and I wake up in bed and there'd be no one there. It'd just be me for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And it's not really that I could never get it. It was just that I would never get the chance. Mm-hmm. And I just felt all of these spinning plates that I was trying to keep up all of these perceptions of people to make sure that I was like constantly and I've been feeling especially since like it's kind of like a free-for-all after you graduate like it's all on you now Mm -hmm. and I've been feeling those plates fall and break and I can't sustain all of those plates Mm -hmm. anymore and that's it culminated in this phrase I'm like I can't do this like I don't know if I can do that can I carry this weight for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. And it, it felt so unfair at the same time. Right. But at the same time, it was like this weird 
feeling that it was kind of like a calling mm-hmm. because it was like just yeah. pounded into my brain yeah. for the is, past six is, years. Like yeah. that's this is your cross to bear. Yeah, this is the cross to bear, and I just felt too heavy in that moment. I think what's interesting. I heard a phrase from one of the LA cohort members. She said that for so much of like evangelicals and like that kind of where we come from, love brokenness, and it's just like the only thing is like for like queer people and like people who are don't fit the box of like white cis straight Christian. You know, we bring our stories and it's like, oh my gosh, your vulnerability, your brokenness is so great. You're just broken for God. And just like our brokenness is like our greatest gift to that world. Mm-hmm. And it was never about bringing my goodness or my wholeness. Yeah. And I don't think our brokenness is our greatest gift to the church or to the world. I think our greatest gift is working to become more whole and offering our f- the full goodness of who we are. Right. We never got to learn that. We never got to hear who you are, who you're made to be is good. Yeah. I think, in my experience, like, I've been convinced that I was more broken than I was. So you were on the pontoon boat, and you said I couldn't do it, and then that was the moment where you started? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I was on that pontoon boat, and, um, Danny, my friend, she says, well, are we, like... Why don't you, like, figure out for real what the Bible says about your intersection of your faith and your sexuality? Like, what if you just really find out what it said? Because for me, like, I've heard from people what it says. Mm -hmm. I never had the courage to find out myself. Mm -hmm. Because if I did look and and I found out, it would be like... I had no idea what the Bible said, like, officially or whatever that means. You know, like, it was like, if I actually looked for the answer, it's either I would be put into this the rest of my life with all those worries that I was just talking about that Mm -hmm. I don't think I could do, or that it's it's something that is an option for me, Mm -hmm. and then I'd have to deal with the backlash of all of it. Mm -hmm. So it was just kind of, both seemed unbearable. Yeah, horribly daunting. And, um... But in that moment, it was just kind of like a, a, a burst of sobriety. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, maybe I should just like really figure this out. And uh, my friend's really supportive. We grew up in university together. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, like we came up in the through university. College. Yeah, through new university. And um, so when I got back from the pontoon boat, mm-hmm. I bought a bunch of books mm-hmm. I remember going to the GCN website and looking at their resources mm-hmm. and buying um, affirming and non-affirming books mm-hmm. because I was like really wanted to make sure that I could tell people that I was looking at both different sources so that yeah. like to make sure that like to assure people that I wasn't doing something heinous mm, or just doing something that's only going to fulfill your own biases. Right. I just started reading Torn. Mm-hmm. I bought um, Spiritual Friendship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I and I was reading all those books, and usually, like, when I decide to do something, I'm very intense about it. I'm very bullish about what I want to do. <laughs> yup. <So, laughs> yes, you are. So I just started buying a bunch of books, started reading all the books. I found um, The Reformation Project. Woo-woo! Yep, okay. And uh, I read Matthew Vines' book, mm-hmm. and I signed up for a conference, so I, like, did all of this at once. And that's where we met? Yeah. Kansas City, 2015. And that's where we met. And I, like I told you, I was really bullish. And I felt a spirit inside me ask if you needed help with worship. Mm-hmm. And I ended up helping with worship the first year I was at the conference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was like, a, I, it was just like, a, it's, a, it's a lot grittier journey than that. It's oh, yeah. not as clean cut. But those are like the... But that's like the high level summary of... Mm-hmm my life like now and then I ended up doing the cohort the Mm -hmm. leadership cohort which has helped me deconstruct a lot of the theological quagmires (laughs) come on 25 cent come on yeah you better buy that (laughs) come on quagmire giggity giggity come on (laughs) come on SAT prep course come on Um, I think what's interesting too is like um, Reformation Project and studying has done for me was just helping me deconstruct all the things that we were taught about ourselves without ourselves yeah. if you will um it's just it's so interesting to me that even like especially like as artists to like we feel 
so deeply. And like, if you if you haven't walked through it, like it's like there's like we understand like what it's like just because we have a shared experience. But to, like to communicate to the rest of everybody, like when you're dealing with something as personal and as like as like something as like deep as sexuality that is like is you. Yeah. It's it's hard to describe what it is to like have to hide that. And then on the other side of that, how it feels to set yourself free from all those rules. The rules that were never meant, never made for us. Like, it was, like, r- rules that were made for us, but just, like, mm-hmm. weren't of God, you know? Yeah. A lot of my first experiences with the Reformation Project, I was just looking for a community of people, more than one person, more than just an isolated person that I happen to know to tell me that I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I'm realizing, in retrospect, that, like, I just needed to some- for someone to tell me that I was okay. Yeah, I think it's always a a collective organization to tell me that I was okay Mm -hmm. and that there is proof or there is Mm -hmm. some kind of like... There's a different way to look at it. Yeah, there's a different way to look at it. That's a good way of saying it. And then after that, once I like was able to have more of a solid ground, Mm -hmm. then I was able to learn all the theological things. Mm -hmm. At some point, it was just kind of like white noise at first. In addition to like what was interesting for me was like sexuality was my starting point. Mm -hmm. And then that led me to racial justice justice for women, people of color, immigrants, the whole nine yards. So I think it's a lot of people, especially like for white Christians, it stops at sexuality because it's, you don't have to deal with a whole lot of other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think something that, you know, you know, going through two leadership cohorts myself, not as like an official member, but just like yeah. being in the room and like hearing all the things that like how important it is to bring the whole self with, like the whole, like bring the whole self in there, you know, not, not just stop with, oh, it's okay to be gay. It's okay to be gay and yeah, dog. Yeah. So much more. So much is necessary. You make me restless, anxious, like I'm doing something wrong. You make me nervous, drop a purpose, and I'm a fall into your love. Now both my eyes are closed, and I finally know that you might be the one. I'm losing all control. You smile and I'm done for. I, I'm needing, I, I'm needing you. Cute confetti, lights, slow motion view. Since you've become more yourself, like, you know, come out and, you know, done the thing and like you own yourself, like, how has that impacted how you create your art? Being more free with myself and being more authentic with myself, I'm realizing that it's not so, it's not so much about um, being clever Mm -hmm. or being innovative. Now my music is about being honest Mm -hmm. and whole and authentic and true. And that's where all of that creativity and innovation comes from Mm -hmm. I've just been able to bring my whole self into music even when I would write music when I was younger I would make sure like the gender pronouns were very Mm -hmm. general if I would use the word boy it would be like part of an an idiom or like like an an expression I'm just able to bring all of myself into the music and like I mentioned before it's all about for me it's about affirming myself and bringing those parts of myself that are real and I Mm -hmm. feel like that's when people have really connected with my music get close to you weekend this idea about trusting your instincts and how your instincts are worthy of your time and also the five second rule yeah like so talk to me a little bit about like how you discovered that like what it looks like in your life what does it mean to trust your instincts well a lot of it is kind of this inherent question for me am i inherently a bad person am i evil at my base level at my core i'm a bad person that will choose bad things that was a story that I believed 
for really for most of my life mm-hmm. just recently I've been able to deconstruct that it's kind of this idea that if left to my own devices I will choose something heinous mm-hmm. and evil and some the same thing the devil would choose and that goes along with instincts if I if I were to choose something that I want it's like I would choose something bad yeah but um as I've become I've, as I've been doing more work with myself I'm just kind of realizing that like I want what's good in life yeah like I want love I want freedom I want liberation it's one of those things like confidence builds in those little moments where you realize that your instincts are worth giving your attention mm-hmm. and they're worth your time this past year for me is kind of like I've been proving myself wrong mm-hmm. on the little theories and um, hypotheses I had of how people perceive me, mm-hmm. how people perceive my sexuality and my morality. Just kind of like pushing against it and seeing, am I wrong or am I right? And that comes from following my instincts. And lately, just kind of my endeavors in music and performance, following my instincts has been wildly successful, to be mm-hmm. honest. I'm very proud of them. Yeah, I'm very proud of the choices that I've made because like, I just, I just threw my own event recently in mm-hmm. February. It's called Thaw. And it was like basically a was, disco pop performance and dance party at the old Miami. Yes, correct. You better read that poster behind <laughs> me. Come on, language. <laughs> Come on, English lesson. Come on, you better read. <laughs> yeah. So, and that was just wildly successful. It was more than I ever thought it would be. Mm-hmm. It could be in my head, and I was just like, "Wow, RV! Like people feel what you have, and they desire what you have. They desire what's in your mind." Mm-hmm. And they're willing to pay for it, too. So, hey. Um, <laughs> What's up? <laughs> okay, so it's just like, oh, man, RV, like, maybe maybe before considering your first instinct last, maybe you should consider it first. Mm-hmm. Because before I would, I would do anything, it would yeah. go through hundreds of filters mm-hmm. before um, I would choose to do anything, before I would act on anything. Mm-hmm. But now I, I'm putting it more in the forefront. And it, yeah. it's been yielding me amazing results. Yeah, because you're trusting who you were created to be. Yeah. I think, like, you know, I, I often... Often, I say like like I'm some sort of fancy teacher, but I think about it in terms of just like if the Holy Spirit is like a river, like surrendering to the flow of what the Holy Spirit is, and if we are wellsprings of that same source, mm-hmm. then when we stop impeding, you know, like I, you know, it's it's that weird idea of just like we are in the divine presence of God at all time. We're inseparable. So when we stop, when we ever, whenever we question ourselves and yeah, there's something to be said about being tempered and like making sure that we're making choices based on certain rational ideas. Just Mm -hmm. like, you know, what is real? What is perceived? Am I insecure about this or am I confident? Um, Am I basing, you know, just asking those like questions. But for the most part, I think it's exactly what you said. Like your instincts, like, your gut instincts is like the Holy Ghost like whispering in your ear saying like, yeah, do that. Partner with me. Let's create this thing together. Yeah. And so many people like will cut themselves off from abundant life because they can't, they, they, they're unable to learn how to trust themselves. Mm-hmm. I've been reading James Baldwin, mm-hmm. um, The Fire Next Time, and he talked about how black people, and I relate it to myself as a brown person, um, when we're born, we kind of move through life as if we're waiting to be punished, as if we're Mm -hmm. deserving to be punished. And so I move through life with a lot of intersections. I'm queer, I'm brown, I'm Filipino. So it's just like, I move through life as if I was inherently bad. Mm -hmm. And that I was waiting to be punished by something somehow. Because I was always doing something wrong. And somehow I've made it through my life without getting hurt but when's the next time when's the next thing that i could accidentally do so Mm -hmm. i was always walking on eggshells or if somebody else wants to just because of who you are just lash out right with either like you know verbally or physically right but the thing is like i remember being like five years old Mm -hmm. realizing that there was something about me that i couldn't fulfill like there was an expectation i couldn't fulfill that people had of boys and I just knew I couldn't fulfill it. So I was like, oh, no, honey. I'm, <laughs> I'm not about to deal with this hard life. Yeah. So I literally started reading books about charm, social mm. dynamics. That's at, at five? Yeah. I started, well, I didn't start reading, but mm. like I started studying people. Mm. I started studying how what someone said affects someone else's perception of them. Mm-hmm. And I like took notes in my head until I could like read. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> 
and start I started reading about books about um, social dynamics, charm, how to like handle conversations, tough situations, because I knew if I couldn't navigate those situations, it would be a matter of life or death. Hmm. And I knew that when I was five. Yeah. I mean, not with all of those fancy words. Yeah. But I remember thinking, I was like, I'm not about to have this hard life. Did you also experience at the same time, like, even though, like, you didn't want to experience those things, there was still, like, that level of kind of, like, fear attached to just being who you were? And so you just... I don't know, because I relate to that, just, like, no, like, the feeling of, like, I don't know how to be a boy. Or, like, mm-hmm. in, like, the traditional sense of the word. You know, I had all these, like, indicators. Like, I was always trying to, like, just to express something in me that was, like, inexpressible in the ways that were presented to me as, like, how to do stuff. So, like, I was, you know, when the whole, like, uh, it was funny, is, like, the whole Good Charlotte thing happened. Um, oh, you gave me this face of just, like, I don't know who the, I don't know. <laughs> who is she? Yeah. Um, so, like, the punk pop thing, Avril Lavigne, Good Charlotte. So, like, there was this whole style thing that happened. Oh, okay. In, like, the early 2000s for certain people, um, like myself. So it was, like, a lot of black, um, you know, boys kind of, like, gender-bending, wearing, like, a guy liner, because mm-hmm. it couldn't just be eyeliner, because you have to, because patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Um, so it was, like, very interesting how, like, you know, I was searching for all these different things, and, but, like, I was kind of, like, you're, like, not this, I, I don't ever remember, like, registering it being, like, oh, I need to figure out how to make people like me, or so otherwise we not get through it, but just, I think it was, like, my mother was naturally charismatic, and so I just kind of took after her. Yeah. It's just, it's interesting. I think before it even became a, a word or a phrase, like, I became my own brand manager. Hey! I, I was like, okay, RV, like, how do I twist this? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be gay, I'm going to be funny. Mm-hmm. So it's like, when I do all of these, like, feminine things, oh, RV's joking, he's so funny. So funny. And I would... I would distract people with my talent. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. I would send out red herrings with my charm, with my achievements. I would distract people. Mm-hmm. Anything, move move any energy away from sexuality. Mm-hmm. My brand was RV, the musician, the smart person, the perfectionist, the well, singer. The hilarious guy. Hilarious guy. The weird guy. Sweet, nice, respectful. Rule um, following. I looked great on paper. Oh. I actually had a very successful high school experience, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, That's my opinion. Because, because... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> because, I mean, I I just kind of had this instinct of, like, how high school was and how people just kind of perceived you in a certain way if you just presented yourself. Yeah. Like, I knew there was a game to play. So I learned the rules and I played it better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And that's how I survived. And unfortunately, like I think about like other people that don't have that mental uh, capacity, maybe uh, that mental adeptness. Yeah. Or they don't have the, the, the resources, the resources, or like, the construct for it. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And they can't do that. And then they end up taking their life or yeah. going. But at the same time, like I was living through a very happy outside person, but I was a high functioning depressed person. Oh, yeah. And I and I mentioned before, like this com- this came out in my life in very intense ways, mm-hmm. very heavy handed ways. So when I would walk, I'd be like RV, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. How is your spine? Where are your wrists? How are you carrying your books? Are you carrying it towards your chest? Because that's what all the girls do. Are you carrying it on your sides? That's what all the dudes do. Where like. When you would drink water, like, where is your wrist placement? How is your pinky finger? Mm-hmm. Are you drinking it too femininely? Yeah. Or just, like, ridiculous things like that. Um, it was so heavy-handed. And I would... I call them my holograms. I would I would be projecting holograms. Mm-hmm. Sar- sharpening and softening different parts of myself to be acceptable to everybody. Mm-hmm. And now I kind of think about it, it's kind of, like, funny. Because it came out in some funny ways. Mm-hmm. So, like I mentioned before... Um, I tried to move any energy away from my sexuality. Mm-hmm. So I had, I brought my lunch to school every day. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I bought lunch if I had money. But um, I would bring lunch to school every day. So I'd go home and prepare my lunch right before. Um, I would store peanut butter in my locker. Mm-hmm. And I would bring apples to school. So I would go home as I'm getting ready. I put one apple in the bag and I'm like, okay, I'm going to need one more apple because that's just I can't just eat one apple for lunch that's not enough put two apples in a bag in a plastic bag because I didn't have like a lunch bag <laughs> it was a yeah. Farmer Jack plastic bag oh same it was always, always Walmart bags okay because it's like it's like 
I always lost my lunchbox. That was my problem. Right. And my mom said, I'm not buying you another one. Just use yeah. a Walmart bag. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So I was like my Farmer Jack bag. And I would pause. I would look at the bag. Mm-hmm. And I would put another apple in the plastic bag. And I had a really long walk from the bus stop of the school to the band room. Mm-hmm. My safe sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And I I realized that like I I had to walk I had to do that walk with three apples in a plastic bag because if I walked with two apples in a plastic bag, they looked like balls in my hands. <laughs> <laughs> They look like ball zacks in my hands. And I, like, could not handle it. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, baby, I want you to be my love. I lay down up, you picking it up, boy. Oh, baby, I want you to be my love. I lay down up, you picking it up. Will you be my? Will you be my? Love. I could not handle it. RV Mendoza with balls in his hands? No, ma'am. That is not on brand. It was not an available option for me. No. No, of course not. No. So I had to eat... I couldn't just eat one apple that day, because that means I would have two apples in a plastic bag to go home. And I'm not about to throw away a plastic bag, because my mama bought those apples. I was not throw. I was going to throw away an apple, I mean. Yeah. And, uh... So you would eat two... I would force myself to eat two apples every day with peanut butter. And just pick one home. And just bring one home, yeah. And then every day, it would just, like, happen. A cycle. And, like, that's how intense I was about everything. Mm. I had lots of spinning plates. I had lots Mm. of spinning plates. I have a question. Um, So, the entirety of, like, your childhood and, like, through, like, college of, like, trying... And, like, I I relate to, like, that having to police your... How you present yourself. Just, like, am I acting too femininely? What does my voice sound like? Where are my wrists? pinky out or pinky in all those things i think since coming out i've allowed myself to just like explore more of like that feminine energy just just naturally present in in me Mm -hmm. so like sometimes i'll wear makeup sometimes i'll paint my nails um dyed my hair recently which i've never done before because i was even as like an openly gay person i'm just like is that too gay because because it's like you know like i'm trying to be like it's like we talked about too, like being gay on somebody else's terms, or yeah. like, you know, trying to like fit into a certain place because like our boy's gonna like me if I have purple hair, or right. our boy's gonna like me if I have like you know my nails painted black or something like that. Okay, yeah. But like since coming out, like I know because like when you perform, you got heels on. Yes, mama. You got, yes, mama. You got like you know your uh, memoirs of a geisha realness, okay. the reveals. Yeah. And then like you're like your long ass hair, which is gorgeous. Yeah. Um, which you only will see on stage. <laughs> so you better come to the next performance, y'all. Right. Yeah. Um, Sometimes you'll see it if you pay me enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, he's a cash app, by the way. Yeah, square cash me, okay? <laughs> RV Mendoza's my cash tag. Yeah, and uh, he will uh, he'll gladly send you a selfie with long hair. Come on. <laughs> if uh, if you get any uh, any cash from this, I expect a cut. Oh, well, okay. We'll see. You know, for promo. Also, so when you do it, uh, send hashtag tiny revolution so he knows <laughs> come on send, marketing yeah. <laughs> come on referrals yeah um, and uh, if you use the offer code uh, ATR20 you'll get 20% off of viewing Harvey's long hair <laughs> how dare you pick me out like that wow, wow, wow. I pick myself out <laughs> thank you so much yeah um, anyway so um, you obviously like have like you know this classically feminine things coming through and like it's fierce and it's incredible like has it been liberating to be to be able to like step into that of just like again kind of like trusting your instincts and doing whatever the fuck you want Mm. i feel like on stage it's a bit more elevated Mm -hmm. so it's a lot easier to be extra yeah (laughs) because that kind of stuff i can't really do in real life or i feel like i can't do in real life first of all heels are really terrible on my knees. <laughs> so I only do it if I get paid enough. Hey. And if it's or if it's and or if it's for a good cause. Yeah. <laughs> um but for me, I'm trying to create a canvas for people to project themselves onto. As people are saying yes to the visuals, mm. like I want them to be able to be like I can do something like that or I want to take it so far that someone thinking of like a sensible version of that is doable. Mm. If that makes sense. 
it's like, oh, like maybe I'm not going to be like in heels or anything, but like maybe I can paint my nails. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I can wear like a septum piercing. Yeah. Or maybe I can wear this big circle glasses I've always wanted to try. Right. I feel like as I've fallen in love with myself, I've, mm. I've been able to help other people fall in love with themselves too. And I feel like that's the, some, that's the most effective way to show people that mm-hmm. they are beautiful is to be in front of them and to show them how much you love yourself. <sighs> that's been really beautiful for me. It's kind of like if, if I can do it, then you can do it. Yeah. I can, if, if I can do it, then you can definitely yeah. do the thing. I think it's the same thing like I've experienced. Not in the same way, but just I look at you and I look at me and we're just like, we're just normal weirdos. Just a couple of weirdos doing things that we love and doing... Or one one way I put it was just, like, ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Sure. Because, like, that's... Every single person has a thing. Like, whatever it is. Like, whether you are, like, going to school to be a dank-ass nurse or doctor or, mm-hmm. like, you want to be a fashion designer um, or, you know... Or you want to be a parent or you want to be an activist or you want to be just yourself. Like, being yourself, I think, is, like, the most revolutionary act that we have in, like... If anything, this past year has taught me, like, since coming out, since, you know, beginning the fight, fighting the good fight, and there's no time to not, to do, like, why would you waste time doing something else? Right. Why would you waste time trying to play to somebody else's wants, needs, desires when there is a whole, a whole brave world just waiting to embrace you? Yeah. And I think that's also, like, the perception, too, that, like, if I choose to be myself, people aren't going to love me. And there are people who are going to, like, look at someone's true self. I always think about this. I am not responsible for other people's reactions Mm -hmm. to my truth. Yeah. I am only responsible to tell the truth. Sure. I'm only responsible for showing up and doing that. And there are people who are not going to like it. It's the same thing that happened with Jesus. Jesus showed up with the truth. Jesus showed up with his full self. And people either took it or they didn't. And I think there's something to be said about doing that. It's just like... I'm going to be my full self, full and complete self, and you can take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. And that's hard sometimes because, like, by tr- by choosing to be our true, full, authentic selves, we're not. Not everyone is going to like us. Mm-hmm. Not everyone is going to want us. In fact, some people are, might have a very visceral, visceral reaction to our freedom. Mm-hmm. But then there's other people who are going to look at that and say, "I can do that." Yeah, I'm trying to remind myself recently that, like, RV, wherever you're going bring yourself it's just always this reminder to like you can't bring anybody else mm-hmm. it's it's got to be from you and if it's from you then it's new and that's where that originality comes from yeah and before i really like became more of a holistic person i didn't think i was original all i could do was covers of songs but now i realize that if i were just truly honest like that's where the new the new things come from mm-hmm. you know i'm not that thing I really loved that we talked about this weekend was what would happen if we were all at 100%. Yeah. Like giving ourselves to our art or our calling or whatever it is. Like what would happen if like we just stopped distracting ourselves? And this is also me preaching at myself. I do love a good Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I do love like, you know, doing all the other things, but just like I think in a lot of ways like 21st century has brought with it like a whole level of distraction that we've never had before. Yeah. So many opportunities to just like zone out whether it's alcohol or drugs or uh media it's so easy for us to just zone out how do you focus in on your own work yeah i mean so i mentioned the five second rule so we'll yeah, 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 yeah. That. yeah so the five second rule is by mel it's not about the food it's a it's <laughs> not that food rule it's a book by mel robbins i highly recommend it it's been a game changer for me um basically for me that book affects me because it answers the question the problem, it, it's, it gives me a solution to the problem of like, 
I know what I should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know what I could be doing. I know the little things that I could be doing that I know would change my life, mm-hmm. but I'm not doing them. And uh, that book basically, it it does this. It's called the five second rule. Um, high level overview of it is basically you just count five, four, three, two, one, and then you focus on the thing that you're going to do or you feel like you need to do, and you act on your instinct. And it's called some, it's called a starting ritual, and apparently it does something in your brain where when you count down and then you focus on something, it activates the prefrontal part, prefrontal cortex of your brain, which is used for focus. Mm-hmm. Um, and it keeps you from hesitating. Five, four, three, two, one. Go ask for their number. Five, four, three, two, one. Just start on something. Make a song. Just mm-hmm. play a chord on the piano. So for me, that has been a big game changer on focusing on my music. Like. I'm I'm kind of coming to grips that I'll never do something because I feel like it. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, I'll never feel like doing it. I'll just want to watch the Great British Cooking Show, Baking Show. The Great British Bake Off. The Bake Off, yeah. Ugh. Like, I'm always just going to want to watch that rather than go work on music. Because it's easy. Because it's easy. It's low, it's low pressure. Yeah. And, like, it's full gratification with no work for it. Right. And it kind of like keeps me from the feeling of failure. Mm-hmm. Because for some reason we're taught that failure is a bad feeling. But like failure is the only way to improvement. Mm-hmm. So make a thousand make kind a thousand of fail- failures. I think um, Liz Gilbert talks about this in Big Magic too. Mm, yeah. Um, she's like, you know, like you just n- need to keep making a whole bunch of things until like one of them sticks. And, and the, but like the end goal not being whatever your creative project is to stick. Yeah. It is just to do the thing mm-hmm. um, because you can't do anything else because it's just like God is coming alongside you and saying, Hey, do you want to do this with me? Right. One thing I do like with my creative work is that like, if I'm trying to work on something and it's just not working, I don't beat myself up over the fact that just like I wrote 4,000 shitty words and they don't really work. Like I have a whole mm-hmm. chapter in my book right now that I hate, but I needed something there as a starting point. Sure. Because the point sometimes is to just make something until, like, whatever that thing is that's coming into the physical world from our own creative spirits, um, you know, we just have to spend time with it and get to know it. And then eventually, like, it whispers the secrets, I think. Yeah. For me, before I perform, I I do this ritual where I um, surround myself in a circle of excellence. Basically, in that circle of excellence, nothing goes wrong things just go differently. What I end up doing is I expand the circle of excellence in the backstage, then to the stage, mm-hmm. and then to the crowd, then to the building, and then to the city, and then mm. to the state, as far as I want to bring my circle of excellence. Mm. And it's that whole idea that like mistakes are there to help guide us. Mm-hmm. Once we kind of just treat things as experiments rather than like ginormous big deals, mm-hmm. Um, we're able to move faster towards our calling, maybe, or the thing that we're supposed to be doing, or the yeah. new the new direction that we're supposed to be going. Mm-hmm. Fail fast and fail often, and then get up and do it again. Yeah, come on, Brene Brown, rising yeah. strong. My favorite is um, I don't know where I read it, but it's like shitty is pretty. Mm, I don't know that, but I do like that. Just like make a bunch of shitty things mm-hmm. and trust that the next thing that you make will be less shitty yes. than the thing you made before that. Yeah, and shit makes for great fertilizer, too. Yes, exactly. As a community gardener, you know that. I would. <laughs> Everything's completed And my thoughts are whole I know, I know, I know, I know I know, I know, I know, I know And that was my conversation with my friend and fellow butch queen, Arvi Mendoza. You can follow Arvi's work on all the social medias, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at RVX Mendoza. But if you want the real tea, the most iconic content, follow him on Snapchat, which is just RV Mendoza. RV also recently started a blog called Financial Ownership, where he's talking about the intersection of mindfulness and money. So if you want to read about the financial cost of coming out, the valley of depletion, where he's talking about self-care, um, you know the time he made it with his uber driver and it only cost him six dollars and 65 cents yeah you can check all of that good good content at financialownership.com 
A big thanks to all of you for listening, and I want to give a special thank you to all of my Patreon supporters. This month, I uh, we had nearly $500 coming in support, and because of that, we were able to launch a bunch of new projects, including the t-shirt line, Queerly Beloved, and I'm amazed at the response that people have been giving to it. Pride Month is not over, so go over to thekevingarcia.com slash merch and get your pride threads. There's something for everyone, even you straight people out there. Listen, there's something for you. There's a lot of really cute designs, honestly, and they were all designed by my friends Donnie Sherlegit, um, which you can follow um, online at uh, yeah, every, all the links are there on the on the website. So thekevingarcia.com/slash/merch, check it out. Give a Donnie a follow. Give him a big thumbs up and order something for you and Bay, something for you and your friend. Order something for everybody, okay? The other big project uh, this month that we launched was you, my YouTube channel, which I'm amazed at the amount of views that are coming in. Um, I recently made a video called Shit Christians Say to LGBTQ People, and it is, if I do say so myself, and I do say so myself, it's pretty funny. Um, I find myself giggling at some of the characters that um, were created for this, and I think you're going to love it. So um, go check that out. It's at youtube.com slash hello, I'm Kev in with just K-E-V-N on the end of it. Um, you can also go to thekevingarcia.com slash YouTube, and it'll there's a link there to the channel. And, and none of this would be possible without the support of my patrons on Patreon. Neither would this podcast. Because of your support, I'm able to pour more time into creating LGBTQ Christian content in the form of blogs, podcasts, and videos. So if you love this, if anything that we've put out has done good or has been helpful, I would really, really be thankful if you would consider supporting this work. Even small dollar amounts like $1, $5, $10 a month help. I think the majority of my patrons give about 5 bucks a month. And that's honestly what I'm looking for. I'm not asking you to, like, give up, like, a huge chunk of yourself. I'm asking, like, you know, if you can drink a cup of coffee once a week um, or even a couple times a week, I think that you can afford to support the work that's giving you life. So um, why don't you head on over to patreon.com slash thekevingarcia to learn more and let's create more things together. That is the show for this week. Uh, thank you again for all the love and support. And as per usual, you can follow me on all the social medias at the Kevin Garcia and find me on the blog at thekevingarcia.com. Check out the t-shirt line. And yeah, I love you. Um, thank you so much for listening. Um, I guess I'll see you guys at the Wild Goose Festival pretty soon. I am so excited. Um, you're amazing. You really are. I hope that you feel encouraged. I hope that you're going to be living your best life this week. And I hope you're taking care of yourself. These are some really, really tough times with everything we're seeing in the news, everything that's happening in our political system. So make sure you're taking care of yourself. Make sure you're getting enough rest, drinking enough water, going to see a good therapist because Lord knows that we all need one. I know that I go to see mine once every other week because of that. So take care of yourself, BBs. I love you. Again, my name is Kevin Garcia, and I will talk to you very soon. Bye now. I'm not the type of guy that's hard to hold. I'm carrying this heart by myself. Like, they look like balls in my hands. <laughs> <laughs> they look like Balzacs in my hands. And I like could not handle it. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I could not handle it. Arvi Mendoza with balls in his hands? No, ma'am. <laughs> that is not on brand. Uh-